Superbrain is a labour of love. Alas, no podcast can survive on love alone. We don't have a sponsor, so we need your support for Superbrain to stay alive and kicking. You can make a one-off donation by following the Support This Show link in the show or episode description. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. My name is Sabina Brennan and I am so glad you could join me today. Grab your headphones and dial up your attention because you'll need to listen carefully to keep track of my conversation with hilarious comedian Joanne McNally. It's a fun and somewhat chaotic episode as we jump from one random topic to the next. I'm really not quite sure how we hopped from baby haters and maternal instinct to gay penguins and surrogate eggs, but we did. We also talked about dying alone, drinking and clickbait. Yes, you heard me correctly. Enjoy. So you and I actually met um, when you were filming. There was a documentary being made about you called with the wonderful title of Baby Hater. <laughs> um, and basically you were exploring um, why, whether you were normal or not in not wanting to have Children. Children. It was what, what happened wa- was I was with the guy I was with at the time. My boyfriend at the time was very against children. Like it was not a runner. It was never going to be a runner. And I was trying to decide if that was like what 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 did I think about that? And I remember speaking to you about like this idea of maternal instinct. And I didn't have any craving to have a child. But what someone had said, the thing that started the documentary was someone had said to me once, "Have a baby." Because you'll never regret having it, but you will regret, you could regret not having it. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Is that true? Like, do you never regret having a baby? And that's what happened with the dog. And so we went and found all these people who regretted having a baby. <laughs> that's basically what happened. Um, and Baby Hater, the title came from, well, obviously we liked it because it was a bit... Um, Controversial. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, th- but the, uh, there was a woman who had written this book saying that she had been described as a baby hater, um, you know, because she didn't want to have kids. So, yeah, so I learned a lot. Learned a lot about yourself. I mean, I was uh, just kind of for those who, who who haven't seen the documentary, what I, I was explaining, I was just brought in as the kind of psychologist or neuroscientist to kind of explain a, yeah. a, a bit. And um, it was for me, it was you were saying, I don't have any maternal instinct. Yeah. And I was kind of saying, but you're not a mother yet. Yeah. So the maternal instinct kicks in after you, you but have then, a baby. And I, I, I remember you saying that so clearly. I remember we were sitting on the steps in Trinity yeah. and it really resonated with me but I also think some women are determined like whatever that determination is to start a family that I don't have there's something like what what is that like there's something I'm not going to say missing because it's not missing it's just different but like and because of my age now well I'm 36 but if anyone in the BBC asks I'm 32 (laughs) I'm in the middle of pitching all this youth stuff but they're all at it now where it's like this rush now because obviously societally like culturally we've totally changed and 
women aren't really traditionally getting like knocked up at 20 now and getting married blah 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 like they want to live their lives they want to establish careers they want to do all those things but our bodies haven't changed our bodies are still you know there's a time period exactly. a window in which you can have a baby exactly so like culturally things are different but biologically things are the same so everyone's kind of panicking now and obviously the older you get the harder it gets and there's this like it's almost like um a last chance saloon mm. everyone every every friend's house i'm in at the moment there's pregnancy tests everywhere and like um one of my mates has just bought a load of she's pregnant now with some lad from denmark and she's 43 she's going to do it on her own and it's that thing of like you know obviously the panic of like i don't want to die alone <laughs> and also what else am i going to do with my well, life well, like can, we, can, can, can we roll that back from, yeah. from wanting to have a baby to whoa i don't want to die alone yeah well that's the, like, that's the payoff you're like do i choose just me or do i choose to to kind of multiply myself and branch out and build almost like this skeletal support system around you by having like a space and a, and, and kids and stuff and is, it, is it worth it so that doesn't come with a guarantee either no it doesn't. you know because i'm kind of at the other end so mine have moved out like i firm, th- firmly believe that everybody has a super brain and you're harnessing your super brain you have to pull in all of your resources when you're standing up on stage to be sharp yeah. funny remember in the moment be able to respond to a, a heckler you know like yeah. you're really your brain like, is on i remember when i first started in comedy because i love wine right like I love wine okay and like I used to drink at gigs because before it, you before. performed so in my mind it was we were all out having fun it was a party I was in a bar they were all drinking you know comics drink that's what we do and like I stopped because I had this disastrous gig where I was basically completely shit-faced and the whole thing was a disaster and I hadn't realized because I was doing this venue and they kept giving me booze because they obviously they want to make you feel welcome so and alcohol just plays this massive part in comedy and there's so many alcoholics as who are comics and then the other half of comics who don't drink at all because they were drinking too much blah 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 plus you're on your own so much you almost drink yeah. for company it's like to pass the time you know that way um but the difference in because i like doing a lot of crowd work and the speed of my brain like even one glass of wine and you're like you're so much slower you're just yeah. so much slower and i was reading this article recently about because i i'm obsessed with women and wine and wine o'clock and this that we think we're having the chic experience but actually there's more women representing or presenting as alcoholics now than ever before particularly in ireland and that you can actually give yourself slight brain damage from drinking too much and i'm like oh my god and like my mother um isn't an alcoholic that's not what i'm saying but she's 70 (laughs) she's 70 something now and um we're pretty close and like I freak out when I'm in the house if, if I feel she's having like a doddery moment I get panicked because I've only got one parent left so I'm like I right. have to like keep her a, a li- I want her immortal basically so I'm freaking out and I'm like I am keep saying to her like do the crosswords <laughs> like, well st- I'll give her my book right I'll do the crosswords co- I'll give her a copy of my book yeah do I'm please not here because it might be too late for her I'll send you a- no it won't be too late but um, that's interesting so I, yeah yeah I mean the thing is and you know it's funny again about our irish relationship with alcohol whenever so i get brought in you know to do radio sometimes when there's like a you know a publication about alcohol and risk for dementia or whatever and will you come in and explain what that paper means or whatever um and actually really what the research shows that even even moderate consumption of alcohol can impact on your cognitive functioning how sharp you are the thing that you're experiencing you know on a 
day-to-day basis you know that you'll perform much better without yeah. it um whenever I talk about those things and I'm not on preaching I'm saying this is what the science says the producer tells tells me that the amount of text messages that they get in nanny state don't tell us what we can or can't do yeah. you know I'm not telling anyone what they can or can't do but I think it it's really important to let people know that's something because the, the whole and imagine it the other way around nobody told us that alcohol is yeah, killing my brain cells I know, you know, but like that's it, once you know what you're doing, like p- some people will decide, yeah, do you know what? I'll take a bit of brain damage so yeah. that I can have my drinks and do that and all that jazz. But like I've, I'm freaked about it at the moment because I feel like I don't want alcohol. Alcohol can't be part of my routine in the way that it is. Like when I'm on stage, like your adrenaline's so high and I come off stage and I don't know how to come down without drink. I don't know how to do it. It's it's very hard. I I have the I I do get the same experience from talks. It's you have a whole audience yeah. and energy and you build up to it and then you come off and you kind of feel, ah, yeah, that's done. And it's almost like a reward, you know. And I have done it without alcohol, but also too, it it kind of is one of those ways. Like I'd I'd be partial to a G and T, and it's just like, oh. yeah. And it's psychological as well. You're like it's like smoking. I used to smoke and I I gave it up because. Well, I don't want a mouth that looks like an anus, basically. Um, yeah, do you know the lines and all? Yeah, I gave up at 35. You've got I no lines there. Oh, I have. They're there. Really? Yeah, yeah. If you, if you can see it, I started smoking, gosh, at about the age of 12. And then I gave what? up at 35. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Like, back in the day, you could just... Do you remember we used to buy chocolate fags? Like, they'd sell yeah. those chocolate <laughs> fags and we just smoked them as children. We thought or we were so one, cool. There was actually ones that were white. They were gorgeous. They were real sweet. They were little white ones and little pink tips. You're probably too young to remember that. I remember them. They looked like they were lit. Yeah, they were kind of chewy, like dolly mixture sweet. It was just so glam. I remember putting on my mum's heels and walking around the patio so I could Pretend hear the click, smoke. click, click. Smoking biros, smoking chocolate pens, wearing her pearls or smoke, chocolate cigarettes. Um, I just thought it was so glamorous yeah I only did it actually I hadn't I, I it actually hadn't entered my head we just started secondary school and I was only I was at a school reunion uh three weeks ago that's why it's sharp in my mind and uh this girl who was one of the coolest girls in the class and she was from actually a really wealthy family her sandwiches I used to take my sandwiches to school you know like in um I think so it was Johnson's it wasn't Brennan's bread then but whatever the so my sandwiches used to be in the bottom yeah, of the, what was the, the bread she used to have this pink pink Tissue paper folded over her sandwiches and the cuts, the, the yeah. crusts were cut off it. And I might have corned beef and she'd have ham, you know. So she was this real cool girl. And, and for some reason, she said to me, come on, do you want to come up to St. Anne's and we'll have a cigarette? And we bought 10 cigarettes. And of course, neither of us wanted to bring them the packet back home. So we smoked five each. <laughs> of course, yeah. That's what we used to do instead of going to mass. We'd go up, buy 10 John Player Blue in the shop, sit up the hill, chain smoke them, take the pamphlet from the church, go home, pretend we'd be, because my mum would be like, what was the gospel? Yeah. Anyway, people, this, people now who smoke the smell have, of us. I'm like, thinner, people who smoke have thinner cortices than people who don't smoke. So that means they've kind of got less brain. It's what? Yeah, it deprives your brain of um, oxygen and, and it's really, really bad for your brain, aside from the toxins. But God, the good it's a, news it's a surprise is, I can if, read or write. If, if the good news is, yeah, me too. <laughs> the good news is, and that's it, once you give up, um, you know, you, you can rejuvenate and, yeah. and, and restore it back. So, so well, it's not all a gloss sort of thing. It's all vanity for me like it's so 
hard. Like, that's why I gave up yeah, with the blind. Lines. Thank yeah, God for that's dreadful. Like, I can't see my lungs or my liver. Yeah. I can't. If I could see them, maybe I'd be freaked out, but I can't. So the only thing I can really see is my face. Yeah. And obviously, as a woman working in showbiz, um, you're at risk of becoming invisible. At some stage, you have like five years and whatever, and then you just cast as the granny for the rest of your life. So I'm like, okay, oh my God, I have to look after my face. I asked him, dear Joe Kane, this comic, yeah. who I adore. When I started, I was like, do you have any advice? And she was like, invest all your money. And I was like, oh great, she's going to tell me like bonds. And she goes, into your face. <laughs> and I was like, boom. And she's dead she right. She just turned 50 actually. I and think she looks fab. In, yeah, yeah. Um, so thank God, that's why. That's what made me stop drinking and stop, well, sorry, not stop drinking, reduce drinking and stop smoking. So you don't drink before your shows. I couldn't drink before no, I work. No, I don't drink now. No. It wouldn't work. But it's actually a good way. I have a high, I don't know whether you have too. You see, I kind of have a hyperactive brain and, and sometimes it helps to switch off. But I do prefer, sometimes I go, I went 10 whole years without drinking anything. I love and that. sometimes I go, I'm just about to, to yeah I will be locking my myself away now to work on a another project and I will cut out the alcohol altogether and actually yeah. to be honest I prefer not to but it's just once you kind of get into you get into a bit of a habit yeah and that's the way it w- is with anything you just have to work a bit to, to break the habit I do like a vice though like I just read an article for the Irish Independent about in defense of alcohol like I do I think we're everything's becoming very sanitized and like people are very and I'm not talking about alcoholics but I mean people the younger generation they're not drinking and that's that's great that's brilliant um, but I do like a vice. I like being able to change to alter my state like you do with the coffee in the morning I like mm. having a drink because coffee is a drug caffeine yeah. is a drug I mean that's a drug that that changes so you know that has chemical reactions yeah uh, you know in your brain as well but um no i kind of and for me as well it's funny with cigarettes what i missed most about smoking um well i used to miss it after meals and i used to miss it just before an exciting story i'd say no 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 hold on yeah, hold yeah, on yeah. hold on and i take a coffee five yeah 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 want to hear it but um i actually missed the boldness of it mm. the fact that it was a bold thing to do you yeah. know and if people were going outside it's kind of funny it's interesting it's and, and I think that's why it's hard, complex to try and get people to quit smoking because we smoke for lots of different reasons. Mine is mine ways. is like anxiety or adrenaline. That's what yeah. it is. And like I, you know, I don't have an anxiety disorder. I don't I, like I'm just. It's I think anxiety is just part of being alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and adrenaline, the same thing. So I'm trying to dilute it. And it's something physical dilutes it, whether it be alcohol or a cigarette. So, like, I mean, if I could learn to just sit with my feelings, but I'd rather not do that. I'm very Irish. It's interesting. I talk about stress, you know, and one of the things I do is managing stress. So stress is not bad. Yeah. You need stress. You need the stress response to get up on stage. Yeah. You need the stress response to do you know, like, like challenge is really, really important kind of for keeping your, your brain working. Most people kind of coast along and it's like your mother said, she doesn't feel needed and mm. like I was saying, you have to have purpose, you have to have goals, you have to kind of keep wanting to achieve something. That's kind of what life is about. And in order to do that, the stress response has to kick off, um, which involves the release of cortisol, but it also uh, involves the release of adrenaline from your adrenal glands. And so what I kind of say to people sometimes if I give them talks is close your eyes for a minute and um, uh, think about what it feels like in your gut when you're stressed. Mm. Okay, now forget about that and close your eyes and think about what it feels like in your gut when you're really, really excited. And there's like, what's the difference? There's yeah. none. It's the exact same thing because all it is is the release of adrenaline in your gut mm. and it's how you name it. But the thing is, it's like you're saying, so you've had 
you've had adrenaline released before you go on stage because you need that. You're, everything is sharper. Yeah. Everything. That's why the stress response is really cool. It really helps. Everything's sharp, alert. You'll find those words. You'll be clicking on overdrive. Unnecessary functions will be shut down like digestion. And, and you know, even if you have a cold, your cough will be suppressed. You'll be able to f- perform for the whole thing yeah. without breaking into a cough. Um, so that's still kind of flying around your system when when you come down when you you know when you come off stage and it is going to take time but like i i i totally respect nerves and adrenaline love it i understand it's necessary but sometimes it can over overtake oh, yes and the physical you, you start shaking and so i've had like two really big gigs in my life where i've taken a xanax before them because Are i really yeah because i knew i was like i'm going to can i curse yeah <laughs> fuck this up if I'm going to go out there shaking and the second an audience sees that you're nervous, it's over. And how um, did that affect? Because something like a Xanax can make you less less sharp. You nailed it. Yeah, because it just took the edge hysteria off. Like yeah. it did. Like it took the hysteria off. I was settled. I was I was I, I was still. Yeah. My mind was completely clear yeah. um, and I was relaxed. It relaxed me because I knew there was too much at stake. There was so much at stake at the gigs they weren't even large audience gigs, but like industry gigs, you know. Yeah. Uh, like so that. you had it's psychologically, you had built it up to be so so big. So psychologically, I would have blacked out up has, there. Yeah. I just yeah. want like it, the nerves got so much that they overtook. I couldn't think rationally or think straight. Yeah. I was like just like this mess. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing this. So I took a Xanax, and they were both wonderful gigs. Yeah, except you wouldn't want to make a habit of that. No. Well, I'd love to, but I can't access. Not. I don't have access to Xanax. <laughs> I hate feeling anything. I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to feel nerves, sadness, nothing. I just want to float along blissfully. Well, yeah. And can I can I just ask you something in terms of um, uh, what's really interesting is I love laughter and smiling are actually superb for the brain. They're they one are. of my tips, uh, you know, on how, how how to keep your brain healthy. So, like, keep up the good work. Like, you're you're making people's brains fitter and sharper and better. But I'm curious to know. Um, actually about your your process when you um write material mm. so obviously you're um like you've got great powers of observation i i, I don't have any process and i'm not just saying yeah. that no no, 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 no process really um i wish i had a process like i know some comic like i'll write some stuff like a like a book, like I'll sit down and write it, like a column or a piece. Yeah. And then I'll have another notebook where I just like write down little ideas about things. And then it just kind of, I mash them together and then whatever. And then sometimes on stage, something will happen as well. Like I'm going home now to Ireland for a couple of days to do like four new material nights because I have to start writing my Edinburgh show. Um, And it will be a mess. It'll be like notes. Some of it will be like what I tend to do is for the Edinburgh show this year that I did in 2019, so last year, um, I wrote it like a, a like a like you'd write a book, and read it out on stage, at on on day one, and saw what had potential to be stand up and what didn't. Um, I don't even know if that's the right thing to do. It kind of worked for me eventually, but it took me seven months to get that written piece into stand up comedy um so it's a very slow very difficult process it is a process in the sense that like what's what i think is interesting is there um so you write some stuff down you know yeah. like you sit down like anyone will try and write um but then as you said you have another notebook for when just 
ideas yeah. come. Uh, and I kind of call those, that's what I was curious is when do those ideas come? It's They come when you're not actively writing. So one of mm. those is the actively writing. Yes. And the other is the, oh, there's a, there's a thing and it just pops in your head. You could be shopping, yeah. you could be in the bath, you could be... And it's usually, that's where I, like, I'm, I can justify spending so much time with my friends, even though I really don't get to see them that much at the moment, um, because I, that's where, they're like brainstorming sessions. So, like, I find it very difficult to get up in the morning, sit down, write stuff, and it'd be hilarious. Bec- I need to be, I need my brain to, like, be fired by conversations with other people. So I'll try and meet people for lunch. Um, I'll try and go for drinks with people. I'll try and chat to people it's on the life. phone. Yeah, like, and the thing about comedy is it's so insular. Like, as a stand up, you're on your own. Like, obviously, you work for yourself, by yourself, with yourself. Um, you gig in the evenings, but they're you're in, you're out, you're not hanging around. They're like, you know, it's, it's a work thing. So, you have you're like, where does the material come from then if you're just sitting in hotels on your own all the time or sitting on a train on your own all the time? So, that's why I have to put time in to like chat to my mates, and I get most of my material from them but that's life so yeah. that's interacting and and so that's what i mean by observational you're you're kind of observing things from life and and that they're things that that people connect to i always think that's what's really good in comedy you know mm. it, you know when there's that tr- truth behind it in yeah. some instances it's just too cringe worthy you know like that you're gonna go oh, no 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 I can't yeah. listen to and that's genius comedy as well you know that's why i'm always it's I'm, like they say it takes you 10 years to find your voice in comedy and i'm just coming into my sixth and right. i remember when i heard that i was like a year in and i was like bullshit i don't have 10 years i'm gonna find my voice straight away yeah. and i still haven't really i'm still torn between do i tell do i do I make it personal to me or do I write very kind of broadly, you know, the Michael McIntyre style stuff where, I mean, he's, uh, I think he's like a little genius, but Mm -hmm. do you write, don't, isn't it gas when we all do this or do you tell your own story? And at the moment, I think my stand-up is kind of a mix of both those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so no process. But maybe I do have a process I'm just not aware of it. Well, yeah, so I... Panic is usually part of the process. <laughs> yeah, Deadlines, well, time. time. Yeah, yeah, time. But, but the thing is, you see, uh, as always, I'm kind of fascinated from the brain perspective and, and, and a lot of people, and this just doesn't apply to, to comedy, but um, a lot of us feel that we're not working unless we're actively trying to yeah. do things. So like you just said it there, actively trying to write, that, you know. Um, and the interesting thing in this, uh, this sort of applies across a lot of creative things. Yes, there's a place for that because, you know, it's 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 conscious and you're thinking and, oh, maybe I'll do that theme or, or yeah. whatever. So what we've forgotten um, about a lot of us in, in, in modern, certainly Western society, is that our brain is actually really incredible organ and it's it's amazing so when you're sitting sort of resting or daydreaming not actively engaged in a task mm. so first of all i should just track back your brain when you're sitting here and when i'm sitting here it's got 86 billion cells right and trillions of connections between them and that's how the brain com- communicates with itself and with the rest of your body right and it communicates by electrical and chemical signals so it's on fire all the time it's amazing and you'll see different areas of your brain light up if you go in an mri scanner you know when you're engaged in particular yeah. activities right so vision is kind of here you know attraction yeah, yeah yeah all those things there's even a little part of your brain that's for face recognition and expressions you know but they're all interlinked it's not just one part but that kind of makes it simple right now when you stop actively engaging in an activity and you go into you let your brain idle like you'd let a car idle or whatever we actually see more increased activity mm. 
diffuse across a network in the brain than we do when you're actively engaged and stuff. And we firmly believe that, and when I say we, I'm talking about the scientific community, that that is where creativity, insight and ideas emerge. Mm. So we forget that your brain is constantly taking in information, it's filtering it, it's embedding memories. Actually, every night that you go to sleep, it takes new information in and during non-REM sleep, at the beginning of the night, first of all, we see activity with the hippocampus where information comes in first, deep in the brain, and this frontal part of your lobe, which is really involved in decision-making and impulse control. And we see electrical activity going like mad uh, at the first part of the night, and that's saying, oh, don't keep that, don't keep that. Oh, we need to keep that, we need to keep that. Then a little later in the night, we see activity across the whole brain, which is the memories being consolidated across all the different networks of your brain. Then when you go to the later part the night or early morning like you know when you go into mainly REM sleep dream sleep what happens is that new information is integrated with all your previous information yeah where it's relevant right and that's why you can have those funny dreams of something happened today and it's mixed in with something yeah. from your past and that's why you can wake up sometimes in the morning with a cool line for your joke or, or you know, the solution yeah. to something you've been wrestling with because your yeah. brain's been doing the job. And so when you say those times when you come up with an idea, it just comes, your brain's been working away at the problem you set it when you kind of started writing. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I find as well, I don't like the act of working. Oh, the other thing is, do you know what I've realized? You can direct your own dreams. So I am completely, I think we all are like, oh, we've, oh, I'm overstimulated all the time. Mm. I listen to podcasts constantly. Um, I can't, like I've, if I'm on a, a tube, I have to be reading something or listening to something. And I remember reading this book and it was like, no, you need to be bored to be creative. You need to let your mind wander and like boredom is obviously the enemy of modern life like we just are never bored we never have to be bored i've forgotten what it is to be bored i, I don't like it but I, i've made a concerted effort to like you know when i'm walking to and from meetings or whatever to not instantly put on a, yeah. in a podcast um to let my brain wander and just sit with your thoughts. Yeah, I wouldn't call it boredom. Boredom is really when it goes to a, you know, a level where it's like a frustration and it almost can lead to, that's understimulation actually. Yeah. Everybody's, you know, when we talked about stress earlier and everyone's concerned about what happens when you've too much stress and chronic stress. If you've too little stress, it leads to boredom and then ultimately to depression. And actually what happens is um, your brain can't afford to waste energy on, on neurons that aren't being used and they die off and your brain starts to, to shrink. And I think boredom is... Is 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 when 
you're you have nothing to do all of the time you know whereas find, you're allowing space i find bored like i'm bored like if I'm, not, if I'm not if i'm not if i'm not taking something in if i if I feel like if i'm not ingesting information from the outside world i, I i'm bored i'm so used to being constantly stimulated or right. taking stuff in or listening to other people's stories um but there are obviously times where something is just ticking over when you just say because if maybe you're doing something um but when you say you just get those ideas obviously your brain there's enough space in it for yeah it to... when i'm when i work actively but i also because i'm on my own so much that i listen to those things for company yeah, so, so that's I've gotten what I'm, used I'm, to I'm that. I'm kind of wondering, is, is that stimulating to avoid? Because I do a good bit of travel as well. And you are on your own. Yeah. Like, I am on my own a lot. I, I tend to, actually, what I tend to do is I just work all the time. Yeah. Because it kind of keeps, yeah. keeps, keeps you, you have to keep sane, you know? Yeah. Uh, as well. But like, I could spend my whole life doing admin. Like, being a stand-up is, honestly, I think it's, I'm going to throw this stat out there, and bearing in mind, I don't understand stats. But I would say <laughs> it's about, like, 85% admin. Oh yeah, and if I don't, if I don't put the time into, if I don't force myself to write, you can always go. Well, I have to respond to that email. I have to respond to that email. I have to book that. I have to book that train. Book that flight. Blah blah blah. You have to really push yourself to write, um, because being creative, it's like it's a bit of a drag, really. It's kind of, it? well, it's it's hard, and you have to kind of get in the zone and 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 get in. I'm I mean, I totally get you, and I kind of was wondering, like, you know, I I'm doing so much, and then I go, oh my god, I have to book that flight, and I have to do this, and then I'm kind of going, you know, I'm one of those that kind of, you know, um, you know, no, I'm up to this, I can do this, I can take this on, and I kind of take on probably too much, and then I kind of feel like a failure, and I look at all these amazing, you know, um, celebrities or whatever who seem to be just doing so much and then yeah. you kind of forget no hold on they've got a PA they've got an accountant yeah. they've got someone packing their clothes they've got this that and the other whereas you know most of us who are kind of mainly working for ourselves are doing everything but what I tend to do actually is I I'm, I'm very anal like I have an excel file it's it's always open actually on my computer with my to-do list yeah I'd love to be a bit more anal and I have dates of when everything is required or needs to be done so what i do is when my brain is not working when it can't do the writing the talk or the writing or whatever i do that's when i do that admin stuff yeah so when my brain is you know i just go okay right gonna sit down and i'm gonna do yeah you know, or you know send the invoice or, yeah, know, yeah yeah follow up on an invoice because yeah. i'm gonna have to eat as well i do find as well and, and this is because i'm a product of my generation that my attention span is so short now like you know there was a time like i i have to bu physically buy papers like i'm i've subscribed to i don't know how many papers online because i feel like it's an environmentally sound thing to do but i just cl i click i look i look i look i look at the headline i look at the headline blah, blah, blah. i i don't go into anything i signed up to the telegraph the other day subscribed because there was an article on um they finally realized what the clitoris is for yeah what is that yeah <laughs> so apparently so now i think i'm a tory so now Oh, because apparently the Telegraph is a Tory newspaper. No, sorry, I want to go back to the clitoris. Clit. Well, as far and then, and then, and then, and then was, we'll move on to the other bit. I was a victim of clitbait. That's my new joke. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> so apparently now they've realised how it's taken them this long. I do not know. And who's them? Is it all men? So, I don't know. Just science. 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 That's throw it out there. Science. Yeah. And uh, so now they've realised that when the clitoris is aroused women are more fertile so it slows down it, it shifts the womb shifts on an axis or something and the sperm can only enter is much slower which improves life. you improves your chance of getting pregnant right yeah wow 
I but I was like, Shh, don't tell any, don't tell lads that because on a one night stand, then they'll be like, <laughs> nowhere. They'll be used as contraceptive uh, by not touching it. But anyway, sorry. My point was that you, unless I sit down with the physical, my mind just jumps all the time. All our minds do. It's like t- constant yeah. time travel. You're look, you're thinking about the past. You're thinking about the future. Blah 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 blah. Like I've I've known I'm not a mindful person. I've tried to do yoga. I've tried to do meditation. I can't bear it. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I just can't. I'm just like, why am I rolling around in the ground? What's it, what is this? I don't feel any more zen. I'm the same. And actually, to be honest, when I've tried mindfulness, and I will stand, I, I will say, there's loads of evidence that mindfulness is really brilliant for your brain, and it what really it does work. Doing stuff slower. Is that I, it? I don't know. You see, I I can't just clear my head when I stop like that. Just more stuff comes into yeah. me, and I'm going, go away, go away. So I've never mastered it. But I won't knock it because it's it is good. But I've never mastered it. What I'm trying to do more of is focusing on what I'm doing when I'm doing it instead of trying to do tons of things and what you just said, which is the recipe for anxiety and depression is spending way too much of our time in the past, usually regretting something you did or said or you're judging yourself about how bad or good you were or imagining a future that might never happen. Yeah. And and that's the that's the kind of unintended consequence of us advancing as human be- beings with yeah. language. We have we're the only creatures that have that capacity like swans made for life. Yeah. Right? And they are devastated. The grief they go through when their partner dies is horrific. But they don't imagine them dying, you know, if they go off for a swim and are yeah. a little bit laid back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know? And but when we imagine things like that, we feel that and it feeds into our fear and our anxiety and and all those things, but animals actually kind of tend to live in the moment. And there's loads of gay penguins. Did you know there's a I huge didn't gay actually. community in the penguin world? Yeah, they have their own little pride march and everything in some of the zoos. Um, <laughs> there was a bit stuck on the colour side of things, though. They're black and white. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there was, this, there was um, two, gay, two gay penguins were given. This, this female no, penguin. Male, male or female and female? Is, is I, what I read was it's male and I'm sure it's both, but ma- predominantly male and male. So this female um, penguin hatched an egg. Now, look, I obviously don't know what uh, the language I'm using now. Yeah, I don't hatched know an they, egg. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing, but she. I know they keep them had warm, an egg. and and I think the men yeah. help them keep it warm so as she, well. The mother obviously just, she was obviously an independent woman with her own career and decided she didn't <laughs> want to raise the child. So the 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 zookeepers gave the egg to this gay couple. And they've been, I'm sure it's probably Raising birthed it. at this time. Oh. They've been keeping it warm. They basically like, it was like a surrogate egg. This gay. Wow. Penguin. I know, it was so cute. Um, what was I going to say to you? Oh yeah, do you know, uh, I read a book recently and I loved it. It was called The Chemistry Between Us. Right. And it was about, it was um, probably quite uncool now. Cause it's is very it a fiction kind of book or gender was it a, a, a pop, psych- not, pop psychology? Not, yeah, pop psychology. Um, my fave. Uh, and it was, because I was going out with a guy at the time your manager didn't want to have the babies and I kept trying to bathe him. Now listen. You kept trying to try ba- to bathe, bathe. bathe him. I just liked like looking after him. I was very, I, and I, I was saying to the girls, like he's this huge th- man covered in tattoos and I kept trying to put him in the bath and wash him. And I was saying it to the girls. <laughs> yeah. I was saying it to the girls and they were like, you've got a baby fetish. And I was like, shut up. No, I don't. Um, so I went into this bookshop anyway and I was looking around and I saw this book and it, it had on the back like why you know why why do we do this why do we do that yeah. and it said why when a woman falls in love does her partner become like a child to her and I was like oh god I, yoink I bought the book read it and it was saying that when a woman has sex her body releases the same chemical the at- this attachment chemical that she releases when she oxytocin. gives birth oxytocin birth yeah that's like birth I was like we yeah. don't stand a chance how can you play a cool with someone 
who you feel like they're your child. Oh. And when they when they ejaculate, they kind of hate you for a second. My <laughs> housemate's a pop. She's a, a, a sexual psychologist, and she was like, they have a feeling of like disdain for you almost. And we're there going, I'm like, this is my home, and he's like, get her out. <laughs> It's very unfair. <laughs> well, actually, what happens is that um, after you orgasm, if you're lucky enough. Well, even I don't think you even have to orgasm to well, have that I, attachment thing. Well, no, what happens is oxytocin is released and it's called the love hormone. And it's, a, you know, it's a neurochemical comes from your brain. But it's also released in men. It is also is released it? in men at the same time, but not to the same degree. Yeah. So women get a m- much bigger release of oxytocin and it's also called the cuddle hormone. So she's wanting to roll over and snuggle and have a cuddle and he's getting a little bit of it. Ah, oh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. But then he kind of really just wants to go sleep and leave me alone. Um, so it's nothing to do with you ladies. It's the amount of oxytocin. But actually over time, in a relationship that changes and more and more of the chemistry is around kind of getting you into that kind of kind of cuddlier you know less lustful yeah. phase yeah, so yeah that yeah. kind of changes you know and that yeah that's i know and that's kind of the big dilemma isn't it it's like how do long term like you know some couples will prioritize sex some couples won't what happens when the sex goes you know blah 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 blah, blah. i don't know i might think my longest relationship was like five years that's so long we'll enough, see. though, in yeah, terms of. I mean, my, by that, uh, by the time, uh, gosh, by the time I was with my husband five years, I, my our two kids were in school. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, we married. I am a giant child. We, yeah, no, actually, that's something that I wanted to um, talk to you about. My arrested development. The yeah, <laughs> that that because you said that it, it's kind of very interesting, um, and it does seem to become a little bit of a theme, you know, mm. wanting to. I have to say. I have not wanting to make you feel odd or anything. I have never felt that desire to wash my <laughs> husband or any yeah. man I've been with. I was or like, actually, I often wonder. I I do honestly wonder. Do I have some maybe more male hormones in me than females? But I but I, I think I wanted to always be the boss. I think I'm quite. I am quite alpha. Like I'm quite in all other areas of my life. Alpha. But when I'm in love, I'm in love. Like I'm in hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. And I'm like there. But that I'm takes a form because in love for everybody is different depending yes. on. Yeah. So, OK, there's the, you know, there's the innate thing. But the shape and form it takes is completely to do with, you know, your environment, your experience, your genes. Yeah. Everything. And like I've as I get older, I realize my my patterns like I don't want to really be adored. Like I find that really uncomfortable. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't like that. So I end up being the one that adores them. I obviously make decisions and I, I kind of go out with lads who are. I mean, complete commitment phobes. That's been my pattern. That, do you think that, though, is around a challenge? Oh, probably. It's probably all ego-based. You know, I, I can... Or you see, the thing is, as well, we often want what we can't have. And that's kind of what makes it interesting, too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, I found that when, when I... My, my experience is men who pursued me for a long length of time got taught... When I... When I I say gave in when I decided to give it a go. Um, they lost interest fairly fast. They did. Yeah. Yeah. See, and there's something like, exciting about the chase I, as well. Totally. And I think the longer it goes on, they kind of can pedestalize you, and then they realize you're just a normal person, and they they go. So like, I would never kind of take the bait on that again. If there's some long-term lad trying to like seduce you, I'm like, no, 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 danger, stranger yeah. danger. Yeah, it's interesting. it's interesting. I want a man who's not really that interested in me, is you, what I'm saying. 
<laughs> but you do. You want him to be. It. So what you want? I don't to know do what is... I want. <laughs> I don't know what I want. Xanax, really, basically, at all times. <laughs> I don't know myself at yeah, all. I, so that kind of struck me actually when we met first on that uh, on that documentary, like that 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 you were kind of you know self-analyzing. We mm. kind of all do that. Um, but it kind of struck me because I'm just about 20 years older than you so um it kind of struck me that you were saying you know i'm already this age and you know mm. and i'm this and and a, a part of that i think is and maybe i'm wrong you're noticing your age uh is it that the wondering about having a baby is that was that the main thing or was it just age per se getting older it was both like right. because i knew with him i knew with that guy that like th- he wasn't going to change his mind in another way like that i i, w- I felt at the time because we were very in love and then um, we were living together and all that jazz that i was like this is a decision i need to make like am i okay with this um did you think you did you think if i don't like that not wanting to have a baby would help gel the relationship that you wanted to also not want to have the baby no Does that makes sense you i know knew, what i mean I, I knew that for for me to kind of accept that meant that i obviously there was a part of me that didn't really want kids like i didn't right. want them enough to, to walk but away you were from accepting him. it at one stage you yeah. were saying yeah i'm quite happy yeah and i still that. don't know if i'll do it okay but you're not as adamant as you were do you think the process of the documentary kind of changed that a little bit? Kind of went, it, it was like, it, it terrified me uh, like that there are so many women out there who are like, yeah, I shouldn't have done it. Motherhood's not for me. And um, I joke saying in my stand-up that we made that heinous decision to destigmatize mental health. So now when people are struggling, they tell you. And I don't really mean that. Maybe I do on some level. But I mean that now, I because I'm a bit older, I see how hard mothering being mm. a parent is so when you're young you're a bit ignorant really you don't know you just assume you'll go up you'll grow up and you'll get married and you'll have kids and that's just what people do and then as you see people how hard it is and um people struggling and like i've had friends turn around to me and be like don't do it like they're like don't have kids it's not what you think it's going to be that's terrifying so i'm thinking maybe i'm not cut out for it i know i read something when i was reading one of your interviews or maybe i I listened to it because i've been immersing myself in joanne um but uh in one of them you said something about you know about that that biological clock ticking and you were kind of saying you know i've only a few years left and yeah uh, you know maybe i could push it out to 45 with a little bit of help and that means you know i'd be raising a baby in my 50s and i'd be exhausted and yeah. actually that jumped out at me because i'm saying well i'm in my 50s and i've had, i actually have much more energy than yeah. probably i had in my 20s you see there's well, that kind unusual. of funny thing as well like i think Do most think? people would say yeah i think they would i think a lot of people would say like if you speak to people like that's kind of i think i think the body is an amazing thing and, and we're so well built that the reason you're fertile when you're young is to, you you will have the energy to raise kids but we've 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 screwed that over Evolved i mean biologically fast. we're far better off having our babies actually in our teens and i can't say yeah. anything i can't say anything lower than 16 because that would be misconstrued but the body is actually yeah. You know, that's that's the time when it's fertile. And uh, when when you're most fertile, your eggs are freshest, they're youngest. Sounds like talking about brec- breakfast, but that's the truth of it. If we're just going straight down to the biological of it. Plus, your cervix is softer. So apparently it is much easier to give birth. Oh, yeah, I think they just and pop when you're out. Older, they, you, you just, just, just kind of have a baby. So mm. um, I like I, I I have to say, because I really was interested in reading, you know, your because really what you're doing is letting us inside your head in your brain when you're talking about some 
some of these things and I think it's really helpful for other people I mean I know you're not an agony aunt but sometimes comedy actually serves that purpose yeah, in a true. way it does yeah thank god your brain is working because mine's not working <laughs> very well at the moment I love how Joanne's super brain works it jumps about a bit but not in a flighty way she thinks laterally and she sees patterns and makes connections she's always trying to make sense of the world always trying to understand it and the people that inhabit it a curious brain is a super brain i hope that you never lose that childlike curiosity joanne joanne is currently bringing her brilliant brand of comedy to venues throughout the uk and ireland check out her website joannemcnally.com to find a show near you grab a ticket if you can you won't be disappointed thank you to collaborative studios for regular updates and bonus material, follow Superbrain Podcast on Instagram and at Sabina underscore Brennan on Twitter. Subscribe to Superbrain on Apple, Spotify, Google, Acast or wherever you consume your podcasts. And remember, if you love it, rate it, review it and share it. My name is Sabina Brennan and you've been listening to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.